Hey everyone, welcome back to the June 28th edition of the Politically Slanted Podcast. On today's episode, we are talking about more country bands changing their names to reflect the times and meet this moment as they are quoted in their statement. We'll also talk about NASCAR and the alleged noose in one of the driver's garages. And also, one Black Lives Matter activist thinks that Jesus statues and representations need to go. So let's get started. Hi, welcome to the Politically Slanted Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Kelly. And you've come to the right place for all things politics, pop culture, and what's making news this week. If you're a country music fan in the 90s, you will recognize those opening chords from the Dixie Chicks' super popular song, Wide Open Spaces. Now, you may be asking yourself, why are you playing this? Well, the Dixie Chicks are no more. No, the trio hasn't broken up, although they have not released a new album in 14 years. That's changing soon. They do have a new album coming out next month called Gaslighter. And um, as you can imagine, it's going to have some pretty politically charged songs on it. But um, the Dixie Chicks have changed their name. You may remember that country group Lady Antebellum dropped the Antebellum from their name a few weeks ago over, um, I guess, some sort of outcry that... It referred to a pre-Civil War era where slavery was still existent, and they felt that having that in their name was hurtful to some of their black fans. And around that time, there was an op-ed in, um, I believe it was on Medium. Someone had suggested that the Dixie Chicks needed to drop Dixie from their name, and you know what? They have done so. They're just going by the chicks now, which I'm wondering how long that will last because some people seem to think that the term chick is anti-feminist and it's misogynistic and degrading to women. So stay tuned. They may have a whole new name here in a few years whenever that becomes unpopular. But um, the band dropped Dixie, and they just released a very simple statement that says, We want to meet this moment. A sincere and heartfelt thank you goes out to the Chicks of New Zealand for their gracious gesture in allowing us to share their name. We are honored to coexist together in the world with these exceptionally talented sisters. Chicks rock. So the Dixie Chicks are no strangers to political things. They got in some hot water back in the early 2000s when they talked about George Bush performing overseas. I think it was in England. And they talked about how they were ashamed that he was from Texas. And they always have um, 
political messages in some of their songs. The whole album, Taking the Long Way, was kind of a response to the fallout they received from country music after those comments about George Bush. And um, they actually won Album of the Year at the Grammys. And I am predicting they will also win Album of the Year for their new album called Gaslighter at next year's Grammys. I happen to absolutely adore the Dixie Chicks. They're my favorite country group. I may not agree with them politically, but I think they are some of the most talented musicians out there. And I still like and buy their music, even though I don't always agree with what they think. But um, I think it was kind of dumb to drop Dixie from their name. I'll probably still always think of them as the Dixie Chicks, and I'm betting everyone else will too. It's kind of hard to rebrand yourself when you have had the same name for 30 years, but they feel this is the right thing to do, and I'm not shocked that they did it because they always act very woke and progressive, so they are now just the Chicks. And they released a new song along with their new name, and it's called March March. And it really hits on all the topics that are happening right now. You know, reproductive rights, gun violence, Black Lives Matter, gun control, all those topics. And um, that's one reason why I think it'll probably get Album of the Year at the Grammys, because... Hollywood loves that kind of stuff. And it's a great song, don't get me wrong. Don't necessarily like all the message in it. But um, can't deny a good song when you hear one. And moving on to some other music news, it seems that the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem here in the U.S., um, is under some attack from liberals who think that we need a song that has a less troubling history and more inclusive message. So this woman named Lindsay Parker, who is an editor-in-chief at Yahoo Music, wrote this whole thing where she talks about Francis Scott Key and how problematic he is because he was born into a wealthy slave-holding family from Maryland, and he was a lawyer and an affluent family from D.C., and also close to President Andrew Jackson, who she says was the Donald Trump of his time. So she believes that the Star-Spangled Banner has outlived its usefulness and that we need a new anthem because we celebrate Francis Scott Key and his racist leanings every time we sing it. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime I sing the Star-Spangled Banner, I do not think about the person that wrote it. I think about the words And I think about how it's such a good reflection of our country and the values that it represents, as well as freedom. But 
just like everything else in this day and age, everything in the past that was during a different era when people just had a different outlook on life and really had some ignorance because they didn't quite understand equality. But you can't really judge that by today's lens. You have to look at the time frame it was written in and understand how society norms were. And you can't just run it through today's spectrum and expect things to always live up to the standards that we have set for today. Because if you try to use that scope to judge things, nothing is ever going to stand up and everything is going to be racist. But she also dislikes the third verse, which I actually don't know if I've ever heard it. But she says that it is blatantly racist and it talks about refugees and hiring slaves and just all kinds of awful things. But we don't even sing that verse anyway, so I don't know why that factors into her argument. But she thinks that black artists will actually start refusing to sing the anthem once they learn these things. But the interesting suggestion that she throws out as a replacement is John Lennon's Imagine. Now, I don't know that a song written by a British guy is actually a song that we should be adopting for our national anthem because the whole purpose of us going through the um, war was to have freedom from England. So maybe you want to think about your pick there a little bit, lady, because I think you could do better. And it's also written by a white guy. So if you wanted it to be more inclusive and diverse, wouldn't you maybe pick something written by a person of color? I don't know. Doesn't seem like her thinking is real clear on this issue, but just another example of ridiculous things going on right now in our culture and trying to just get rid of everything in our history. Okay, so switching gears here a little bit to talk about Bubba Wallace and the whole NASCAR alleged noose in his garage. This wasn't something that I was really paying that close attention to, but it seems like it kind of blew up. So I figured, well, we have some NASCAR fans out there, I'm sure, that listen to us. And it was such a hot topic in the news this week. Why not talk about it on the podcast? So, um, Bubba Wallace is a driver, and he is African-American, and he found what he thought was a noose in his team's garage. So, the FBI went through, and they actually investigated it, and they determined that it was not a noose. It was just some sort of rope that they used to pull down the door. Um, I saw a picture of it. It does look like a noose. I can see where he would think that. So I'm not questioning why he thought it was that because it did kind of look like that. And if you didn't know what it was for, I could see. I can see it, you know, 
I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's not trying to pull some Jesse Smollett thing on us. But he's pretty upset because people have been making fun of him over it. And they're saying that um, he doesn't have any character and he's lying. So he talked to CNN's Don Lemon. And I'm going to play the clip for you. And he still insists that it was a noose, even though the FBI says it wasn't. I've, uh, I've been racing all my life. I've, we, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots being um, in, uh, in, in, in their, as their evidence. Go ahead. But from the evidence that we have... Um, that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can confirm that I actually got evidence of what was hanging in my garage over my car around my picker guys to confirm that it was a noose and never seen anything like it. So he says that the FBI claims that it was a noose. But from what I'm seeing, they're saying it wasn't. It was just that garage pull. So I don't know where the conflicting information is coming from, but they did determine that it wasn't a noose. And it had actually been there for several years, even before he was using that garage. So I think it was probably an honest mistake like I said, if you look at the picture, it definitely looks like that. And people's emotions are high right now, especially in the African-American community. So I can see where, given the certain climate that we're in, that he might think that's what it was. But I think that moving forward, he should probably accept the findings and just go along with what the FBI says, that it wasn't a racially motivated thing. And I don't think that you need to question his integrity behind what he thinks he saw. But um, he should probably also accept the facts that it was there for several years. And the FBI says there's no foul play involved. So that was kind of a story that was really popular this week. And also, something that has been making waves on our website and on social media is Black Lives Matter activist Sean King. So I don't pay much attention to Sean King. I think he's kind of a nutcase. And um, he is now calling for statues of Jesus and stained glass windows, and any kind of representation of Jesus to be removed from churches in any sort of public area where they might be. Because he says that they have represented Jesus as a white person when he was Jewish, which, yes, that's a point. Um, he was not white. He was Jewish. But He's just saying that all these things need to be taken down. And this just goes along with all the statues that keep coming down. Just because something is there and doesn't really reflect the mindset of the current 
culture does not mean that we need to remove it and try to forget about it. I think sometimes it's better if you leave those things up and you just have conversations about why they're wrong, talk about why the things are not representative of how things really were, and talk about the problems with them. It seems like we just want to erase our history. And even if it's bad history, you can still learn from it. So delving into this Sean King, he started this whole thing on his Twitter account. And the tweet says, Yes, I think the statues of white European they claim as Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy. I don't really understand where he gets the whole white supremacy thing. I think that it was just a representation of a person that was incorrect. And if you have gone through any other cultures, a lot of times they will create Jesus to look like their culture representation as well. So you've seen a black Jesus, you've seen like a Native American Jesus, It's just the thing. A lot of people don't represent him the way he probably truly looked. And that is wrong, but that is not just an exclusive thing for white people to do. So he says that these representations are a form of white supremacy. They're created as tools of oppression and the racist propaganda. The interesting thing about Sean King is he's not black. People refer to him as a leader of the Black Lives Matter movement, but um, a lot of people in that movement do not like him. They do not feel that he speaks for the movement, and there's been a lot of controversy over whether or not he is lying about his race. So he claims his father is black, but the man that's on his birth certificate is a white man. And he tries to get around this by saying he's talked to his mother and that um, she actually was with a light-skinned black man. And that's his true father, but she listed someone else on his birth certificate. So that's very sketchy. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know if he's lying. But he's also caught a lot of flack because... He's trying to profit off of the Black Lives Matter movement. And there's a whole article over on the Daily Beast calling him a grifter and breaking down all this money that he's asking for. And it's actually going in his pocket and it's not going to actually help the cause. So Sean King himself is very problematic and he also seems to be representing him himself as a black man, which is also a problem. So he's not really one to be giving pointers on white Jesus and representation of white supremacy in Christian circles. But that was a very hot topic that garnered a lot of buzz on our Facebook page, which if you have not liked, by the way, we are Politically Slanted on Facebook We share everything we write on there and you should go check us out and you can read more about this topic right there and on our website, politicallyslanted.com.
And finally, just closing out the episode with a little catch-up of what's going on in politics. We have a big endorsement for Vice President Biden from a former GOP candidate for president. You may remember Ms. Carly Fiorina back in 2016. She was running to become the nominee, and she was my favorite at the time. Um, She didn't really go very far, unfortunately, although I think she would have been a great president. She had a lot of business experience, much like Trump. Um, There's some, you know, back and forth controversy over that as well. Um, I think she was the CEO of Hewlett Packard and people claim she ran the company into the ground. I've done a little digging into that. And it seems like that her board might have been responsible for some of those decisions that were being made and kind of forced her to do some things that she didn't really want to do. And um, I don't know, you should go read about it and form your own opinion. But I don't think she was as bad a a business person as what people make her out to be. She went on after she dropped out to kind of be a, a... last-ditch effort by Ted Cruz to win some votes. He picked her as his vice president if he had won the nomination. Um, We all know how that went, but um, that was kind of Carly's moment here a few years ago in the 2016 election. She's been working on her own um, foundation ever since, but she came out this week in an article in The Atlantic, and she says that she cannot support Donald Trump. And she's encouraging people to vote for Biden instead. Um, She believes that Trump is a poor leader, and Biden would be one that could maybe bring the country together and be a better leader and unify us with everything that's going on. She says that Biden is a person of humility, empathy, and character, and he's demonstrated that throughout his life, and she feels that that's really needed in our public life right now, and also that character counts. So the person that interviewed her in The Atlantic kind of pushed back on that a little bit, and they asked her about the policy differences She's very pro-life, and Biden has said that he is for abortion. And she kind of countered that with, you know, the Republicans had all branches of government for the first two years of Trump's presidency, and they have not done anything in regards to abortion when they've had the chance. So she basically says that, They use that as a way to get you to vote for them, and then they don't really live up to their promises. So she feels like having a Democrat as a president is no different than having a Republican as a president on that issue. She also says that she feels that she should be loyal to the Constitution, and she said that if you get tied to one political party that people only care about winning and they forget about values and governing. So just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you should always vote for the R next to the person's name on the ballot. You should be more concerned about your party and the people and what's best for the country. And according to Carly, 
that's Joe Biden. So people are obviously calling her a rhino. They're making fun of how she looked just like Trump did in one of his debates. And they said that she's a sore loser. I don't think that's what it is. I think she's just giving an honest assessment of where she feels the country is. And I don't begrudge her for doing that. I think that you should vote your conscience. I don't think you should be loyal to parties. And she does make valid points that anytime the GOP is given the opportunity to act on some of these platforms that they feel are very, very near and dear to their voters' hearts, they don't do anything. I mean, they haven't gotten rid of Obamacare. They didn't put Hillary Clinton in jail like they promised. I mean, we still have abortion in this country, and I don't see that changing. So she makes some good points. I don't know that I will vote for Joe Biden, but um, I can definitely respect her for giving an opinion that she feels is valid and not just always sticking with the party line on those kinds of issues. And then finally, we have um, Ayanna Presley. She is a freshman congresswoman. She's part of the squad, you know, the whole group with Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar. And they are pushing very hard for reparations for slavery. That is definitely not something new, but... The Democrats are always calling for that as some sort of, I guess, we're sorry that this happened in our country. So she was talking about reparations in front of Congress this week, saying that is something that is owed to them. And she says that people need to pay us what you owe us. So I've got a clip of her speech and I'm going to play it so you can hear the whole thing in her words and not mine. Driving while black, jogging while black, sleeping while black. We have been criminalized for the very way we show up in the world. Under the harsh gaze of far too many, my black body is seen as a threat, always considered armed. Centuries of institutionalized oppression will not be undone overnight, for racism in America is as structural as the marble pillars of this very institution. With the power of the pen, we must legislate accountability, dismantle these systems, and move in the direction of justice and healing. The Justice and Policing Act is a critical step forward, and I applaud the leadership of the Congressional Black Caucus. But our work is unfinished. There is a rallying cry in communities across the nation. Black Lives Matter is a mandate from the people. It's time. Pay us what you owe us. Our black skin is not a crime. It is the beautiful robe of nation builders. Thank you. I yield. So there you have it, folks. We owe her because of the color of her skin and that um, we're in the wrong because we're white. I think the whole notion of reparations is so stupid. None of us here today owned slaves, and none of these black people were slaves. The best way to move forward from this is to just realize that it was wrong in the past and stop trying to make up for it with people that were not even involved in that whole thing. 
you'll just be apologizing for the rest of your life and it'll just never ever end. So I think that you need to move forward. I don't think that paying people money because they were from slave owned families is the way to go about it. I just think that's going to deepen the divide. It's going to hurt people and they really, I think, just need to get on with it and move away from that. But you can bet that it's going to be something that they try to push through in Congress again. I don't think that it will get past the Senate, at least not right now. But I'm sure you'll hear much more about it in the debates because Joe Biden will probably work that into his platform, especially if he picks a black woman as his running mate, which I think that he probably will. So... That's all I have for you today on the Politically Slanted podcast. A little bit shorter episode, but there wasn't quite as much going on this week. Still a few things I just want to jump on here and chat with you about. So until next time, I hope you have a great 4th of July weekend if you're in the United States. Celebrate our independence. I know we won't be having fireworks thanks to COVID, but hopefully you have some sparklers or something you can light off at home. And if you're an international listener, thank you for tuning in and um, we will catch you on the next episode. Be sure to like us on Facebook, check out our website, politicallyslanted.com, find us on Twitter at Slanted Politics, and we are also on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thank you.